uh, mark your books at Malachi 2. Today we're going to talk about something very, very important. Marriage is what brings us together today. For those of you that are laughing, you guys know the movie, The Princess Bride, or at least caught a little bit of humor there. For those of you that don't know the movie Princess Bride, you should go watch the movie Princess Bride. What's that? Before they finished church. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. But marriage is what brings us together today, because today we're going to talk about marriage. Um, we're going to talk about love, and we are going to talk about true love. I have to give a disclaimer, though. I don't want anybody to come up to me afterwards and say, wow, you are really picking on me. I am not picking on anybody's marriage in here. I'm not picking on anybody that's not married in here, okay? I didn't in any way put together this series to pick on anybody that's married or single. This is purely for my wife. <laughs> she has some things that we need to work on. No, this just actually has to do with where we're at in Malachi. There's some things that are happening with people's marriages in Malachi. And, and here's the thing. Those marriages and those actions that are happening directly influence the relationship that the people in Malachi are having with God. And, and we're called as Christians into this marriage relationship with God, right? We are called to be the bridegroom, right? Or we're called, we're called to be his bride. He is the bridegroom. We are called to be the bride, right, as the church. And there's this relationship between us and God that is represented by marriage. And I think it's important that we look at that periodically. And the people of Israel in Malachi struggled to survive in their homeland, and, and they're returning from the, the exile in Babylon. As a result, families in general suffered. And, and marriages began to feel the tension that the people were feeling. In the midst of this situation, many of the men began to marry foreign women and adopt their practices of worship, forsaking the God of Israel. God makes it clear that marriage is a holy and binding covenant that reflects His nature and His glory, not a temporal arrangement for personal convenience. It's something more than that. So if you brought your Bibles today, open them up. We're going to be in Malachi chapter 2, starting in verse 10. Malachi chapter 2, verse 10. Verse 10, it says, have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And the second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offspring or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord has witnessed between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union 
And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit. Guard yourselves in your spirit. And let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her says to the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with, his, with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. See, marriage is a covenant and it's instituted by God as a picture of his promise to love us. As, as a promise to protect us. As a promise to provide for us. His people. His bride. However, in the time of Malachi, God's people were casually entering into marriages that did not honor and reflect this purity that God had intended. In addition, many were abandoning these marriages that they had in the beginning. And they were doing this for personal gain or for convenience. Malachi sharply points out that their faithlessness to their spouse which is ultimately a reflection of their faithlessness to God. There's a contrasting view there. Your your faithlessness to your wife is a faithlessness to God as well, is what Malachi is pointing out. One way we show our love to God is by faithfully loving our spouse. By loving our spouse in the same way that God loves us. Biblical marriage is not merely a contract between two people. It's not merely something that we just do because it's convenient or we'll get a better tax deduction. It's a commitment. It's a promise. It's a promise between two people. It's this covenant between a husband and a wife that's represented in God. George Buttrick, uh, he's, you probably don't know who he is. Nathan and I might. Uh, he, wrote the interp- he wrote the Malachi section of the Interpreter's Bible Commentary. Um, it's a very good commentary if you ever get a chance to read it. I don't suggest you buy it. It's expensive. And there's lots and lots of volumes. But he wrote this part. He is, he's well known for his study and for his work on Malachi. And in it he writes, The basis of their affection is a fund of common concerns. Ultimately, None other than a mutual devotion to God. What Buttrick's trying to say is is God is trying to remind the people, not just that he doesn't like divorce, but there's more to it than that. He doesn't like the way that they treat their wives. Because the way they treat their wives is representative of how they treat God. The two are not exclusive. They bring offerings that are not worthy. God is an afterthought in their minds, just as their wives are. I'm not just picking on men. Don't don't hear that. That's what's going on here in Malachi. But one of the great ways that biblical marriage has been portrayed is with a picture of a triangle. See, it's not just about the guys. It's about the wives as well, and it's about God. See, in, in the biblical triangle idea here, the husband and the wife from the bottom two corners and God is at the top. And, and as the husband and wife move closer to God, they move closer to each other. This is part of God's design. 
part of his purpose. Now, if the husband was to move closer to the wife, that doesn't really work. Or if the wife was to move closer to the husband, it doesn't work. But if they mutually move closer to God, it builds a better relationship. See, God is calling his people to return to him by returning to the wives of their youth here in Malachi. The bride is a gift from God to enjoy and to love as a reminder of his undying fidelity, his his undying love, his undying mercy and grace towards the people. Those who claim to be followers of Jesus should take seriously their call to this covenant. They should take seriously their call to one another, not just through marriage, but in the church. And they should take seriously their call between their relationship with God and themselves. Those who claim to be followers of Jesus should take seriously the idea of marriage. The way you love your spouse is one of the greatest testimonies to your love of God. Now, the horrifying statistics that we've all read in the past is a study that the Barna Group did back in 2008, right? Divorce among Christians is not much different than divorce in the world. In fact, 32% of Christian marriages back in 2008 had ended in divorce as compared with 33% of marriages among non-Christians. It's not much different. Now, the good news is in the last decade... That number has dropped. The divorce rate has dropped by 8%. There's less divorces. Unfortunately, so has the marriage rate. Many more young people are not getting married and they're opting just to live together, cohabitating, co-parenting, co-whatever you want to call it. While this gives a lower divorce rate, yes, it possibly causes other problems. And it also causes a hard ability to keep track of what is divorce. This gives many more people much more flexible options in their relationship because they can leave at any time and it's not a divorce. They have the feeling that they didn't do anything wrong. Here's a little prediction. This is purely my prediction. I think the next big epidemic that the church will face in a social construct to the family will be this. It will be this in the next decade. It'll be, how do we handle this? How do we live with this? How do we help people through this? Because traditionally, we have said, when you have, what? A license and a ceremony. No longer does the world view those as necessary. No longer does the world around us say that you have to have a license or a ceremony. If the church is going to be relevant in the lives of the next generations and of their children, we have to have a plan. How do we help them understand the importance of a traditional marriage? How are we going to help them understand what that covenant relationship looks like and what the commitment means? Now, my personal opinion is I would argue that anybody that lives together on a full-time basis and has sex has already been married. Rather, in the eyes of the state or in the eyes of God, however you want to argue that, we can. But they've already met the requirements that we read about in the Bible. They've already taken that upon themselves, and now 
unfortunately, they suffer the consequences of that. See, there's consequences to having that relationship. There's consequences to every decision that we make. Now, I'm not saying this is the only way that marriage can happen, but I'm just saying that this is where the rubber meets the road in some relationships. And once you've engaged in that, and once you've entered into that, there's things that happen to the relationship between a man and a woman. There's, a, there's things that happen between the relationship between that man and that woman and God. And you've taken a very sacred vow without actually taking the vow. Marriage is an important part of the Christian culture. And how we address that in the next decade or two is going to be important as how we represent ourselves as Christians. It's so important that God warns His people in verse 16 to be on guard regarding their faithfulness in marriage. Marriage isn't magic. There is no magic involved in relationships. I hear this a lot. I've heard it from a lot of different people inside the church, outside the church. I hear these statements like, I feel like the love is gone. We just don't have the same feelings. The same magic is not there after this many years. In fact, in the early 2000s, Counting Crows had a song, right, that talked about the magic of love, this feeling, this idea. You guys remember that song? Accidentally in Love. It was used in the Shrek movie. It was about two people that didn't mean to fall into love, fell into love, even though they didn't want to. It just happened. People may argue that you can't accidentally fall in love or you can't accidentally fall in love. Nobody accidentally remains in love. Remaining in love and remaining married takes work. Nobody accidentally remains faithful to their spouse. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens by choice. It happens by commitment. It requires a daily vigilance of both parties involved to make a marriage pure and reflect what is good and reflect what God has provided. It takes a man who has learned how to truly speak to his spouse, which involves a lot more listening than it does speaking. It involves a wife who knows how to show grace towards her husband because undoubtedly he is flawed. It takes hard work, day in, day out. But for those that can figure it out, for those that can push through the the bad times and enjoy the good times, through the hurt feelings and through the pain and embrace the joy and the laughter, well, we would say it's worth it. It requires vigilance towards a faithful relationship. One where each person is guarded to make sure that they not just remain faithful to each other, but that they are able to securely and openly share in that relationship. Where communication with each other is the most important activity that they will do every day of their life. It's no different with our relationship with God. If we're not constantly standing guard in our relationship with God, if we're not communicating with Him daily, 
making it the priority and the highlight of our day, we will waver. We will find moments where Satan will creep in and push us away and tell us, you don't really need that. We will no longer find ourselves worshiping God. Instead, we will long for some other idol to fill that spot. Instead of coming closer to God, we will slowly fade away from Him. This is why we must focus on marriage. And this is how it affects our relationship with God. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, let us not forget what you've taught us. We understand the rest of the world around us questions our traditional values. Fine. They push back on the ideas that we hold sacred. Fine. But you have taught us a way that quite possibly, quite realistically, is better. And the reason is because you represented that relationship already for us. But you've already given us a path, an understanding, a way. Because you are the good shepherd. You've already walked down that path. And you know where the pitfalls are. Lord, help us to understand that our relationship with our spouses or with our, the, our others, our friends, it's not much different than our relationship with you. It requires work. It requires vigilance. To keep our passion alive. To keep our faithfulness to you. And to keep us focused on what it is you will for us to do. Lord, put it on our hearts today and as we leave this building, as we go back into this world, to hold true to what you taught us, to honor our marriages, to honor our relationships, to honor you. It's through Jesus that we come to you in prayer. Amen. Let's stand for our final song this morning.